Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, a conversation about literature and art, about duende and queerness and coping and tea, border blur and misfits and community, secret places, ragged edges. Angel House Press. I'm your host, Amanda Earl. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks. I'm Amanda Earl, and this is episode 84. We're going to talk about the poetic elements of film with Jennifer Mulligan. Hi, Jennifer. Hey, Amanda. Good to have you back. Now, Jennifer has been on the show before, a local filmmaker, and uh, she was on the show not long ago. So I'm not going to actually ask you to do a, a, a tell me a bit about yourself because we've done that already. So I think we we can move on. So what I what I, my plan is that um, to do this episode called The Poetic Elements of Film. And this is the second in a series of episodes about poetic elements in other genres. Last year at this time, I spoke with local musician Subraj Singh about the poetic elements of music. And in future episodes, I'd love to speak with photographers, artists, dancers, ceramicists, sculptors, chefs, gardeners, travelers, and more about the poetic elements of the thing they're into. So, and who knows what else? And who knows when? It just depends on who I find. And uh, because, like, I think the idea of poetry just being defined by uh, by like things that are called poems. I think there's there's a lot of things about poetry that are in other things. And that's about as inarticulate as that could possibly be. <laughs> so, so with that, um, we're gonna speak to Jennifer Mulligan, who's a local filmmaker. Um, I spoke to her about her filmmaking, and now we're going to talk about films that we find poetic and why. The idea for the series is to explore the concept of poetic. What makes something poetic? Now, I don't think we're gonna have an answer that as that's kind of a, some kind of weird, absolute finite answer, but I think it's an interesting question to explore. So that's why we're here. So we've both been kind of thinking about films that we've watched and thinking about uh, some element of them that might make them poetic for whatever reason that we think they are. So, and I try, I tried like with the music episode, I actually talked to, uh, I actually uh, was able to on social media also, um, crowdsource and ask people what do you think uh what what do you have any songs that you think are poetic and why and I got a lot of answers but for this I asked it on social media this year nobody answered so no one's not a damn answer but that's fine yet I think everyone's maybe people are just tired and don't have or maybe they couldn't think of anything or didn't even notice so that's fine so we'll do the job for them and and come up with their own ideas I was wondering if if you would like to start with a film yourself you want to start us off sure yeah so when you asked me to put together the list of sort of, I, I was trying to think of films that I had really, that it really, something about them that really struck me in the past yeah. like dozen years or so. And it was interesting that we both had one of Terrence Malick's films yes. on our list. So, because that was the only film, if my memory serves me correct, that I've seen at TIFF was History of Life. So, and it really spoke to me, I think because it, it like images of it still linger with me. And I saw it twice. I saw it once at TIFF in one of those beautiful old theaters in Toronto. And then I saw it, um, like, I I think somebody had had watched it on TV or was probably possibly a streaming service or something. Anyway, so uh, it was really, it really struck me in the grandeur of the entire piece and like the the aesthetic of what he was trying to accomplish and just like the, the, the sheer vastness of space that he was trying to capture and how people were part of this, larger cosmos and stuff and I feel like that was part of it for me and I actually wrote um a short a short script all right I wrote an idea for a short script based as a sort of a conversation with that film so that was what algebra was in response to was me seeing tree of life yeah so that's why I thought it was a really strong evocative piece and I just I had sort of had a lot of thoughts rummaging around in my head afterwards. So I wanted to kind of explore what I was trying to say. So that was, and then Algebra became a short film directed by Jeff Paul from Ottawa. So yeah, so Tree of Life, I just, I feel like in a larger context, poetics of film really encapsulates for me, it encapsulates like looking at aspects of people and places and images, but not in sort of like a, like a, you know, a traditional sort of story sense, more like in dreamlike settings or something in an alternate reality kind of setting. Right. So it's, there's always something about the films that I kind of think of in that space that 
provide elements of, of deeper levels of storytelling than just like surface level. So subtext, yes, but I think it's even below subtext if there's a possibility. I think there's some, I think there's deeper meaning in some of these kinds of elevated films that sort of ask you to question yourself in relation to the material you just watched or heard or you know in in a in a in a fulsome way a film is all of the arts together right That's it's right. acting it's 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 colors, it's images, it's 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 music, it's yeah, it's it's a lot of elements, right? So that's what I think of, and I think of poetics and filmmaking. That's great, and the other thing too, if I remember, I mean, I don't, I don't think I managed to get through the whole movie actually. So I think I I watched it on Canopy, which is dot com, which is where I watch a lot of um, a lot of films that I as opposed to like that I can't get that are not on any streaming service or maybe it was at one point but at least when I when I watched but I watched it after seeing Days of Heaven which is another Terrence Malick film and what I remember about Trees of Tree of Life was is the fragmented nature of it too it wasn't wasn't really that linear and and that's another element at least for me uh, that can be and I like I like the idea about the concept about asking us to look at uh, people and in ourselves and that is an interesting uh, possibility too about about a poetic element and and combination of different things too and the vastness too like that's something that appears a lot in and I think the some of the films that I've uh, what I would say about uh, Days of Heaven which came out in 78 so I don't know if a lot of people have seen it uh, again, it was directed by Mal uh, Terrence Malick. It was like a second movie after another movie called Badlands. I didn't watch Badlands. It's not normally, I, I, I've not watched uh, too many of his movies. So it was set in the turn of the century. And it's basically um, um, a, a very young Richard Gere who uh, takes his uh, his lover and his sister from Chicago where he's a steel worker and they go off to the Texas panhandle and they work on this uh, big uh, crop, like this big farm, I guess. But it's it's so what the elements of, again, I have the vastness of the land. It's, it's so and it's just such a beautiful film. Uh, also, there's like a plague of uh, locusts or whatever it is bugs grasshoppers or whatever and then there's this fire that's just the actual cinematography for the fire is is so uh it, it seems awful to say gorgeous about a fire but i mean that's so destructive but it was beautiful and then finally there's this the the, the character uh of the child who's played by this actress named linda mance it's just a young girl and she speaks in this accent which sounds to me like a because i'm not american so it's like a brooklyn a New York accent, but I think it's supposed to be Chicago. So forgive me, Americans, if you're listening. I'm sorry about my ignorance about accents. But anyway, she, so what they did is the, these were a very loose fragments and it took forever for the film to get to be uh, finalized. And in the end, um, he, uh, Malik had her narrate the film and she just kind of made stuff up and narrated it and put it together. And that's a big part of the poetic elements to me mm -hmm. too, because she just kind of talks in this very slow way. Well, this happened and that happened, but it's an extremely beautiful film. Um, and it's, it's not a fast film. Like it's really, it's quite slow, but yeah, you, you can just, the, the really, the big elements that stand out for me is this vast space and the, there is a plot. I mean, there's a plot about a farm, a Sam, another beautiful Sam Shepard, young Sam Shepard plays the owner of the uh, farm and he falls for the uh, the girl the, the girlfriend and and uh, Richard Gere are pretending to be brother and sister rather than lovers. Uh, so he so he falls for the uh, uh, the farmer falls for her, and uh, there's all kinds of complications and controversy that happens because of that. So that's the there is a plot to the actual film, but for me it's really I I almost what happens to me this is happens to me in a poem people always sometimes people say what's it about with a poem and I, I always resist that and I kind of resist that a little bit with plot in if I if I'm really interested in a movie it really has nothing to do with the plot really well maybe it hasn't sometimes it has an interesting twist that excites me but really it's all about character and in this case the land is really the character of the of the film I would say and uh, the land and how it's and, and the conflict with with you know between nature and and uh, man and and so yeah that's uh, that's my, um, but I really recommend that movie if you, um, 
if you haven't, yeah, seen, I haven't it. seen it, oh, yeah, I haven't seen it. And you can, it was last time I checked, it was on Canopy and, and I, an ad for canopy.com. If you have a library card, at least in Ottawa and probably in many other places, you, or, and probably, I don't know how, what the situation is in Quebec where, where Jennifer is, but um, you can, you can, you can get, uh, you can have access to canopy.com and they have another one too. I can't remember another uh, film and TV show service for free. You can watch up to four um things you have credits for four films or there's sometimes there are documentaries there's a huge variety like that's I, cool yeah because i yeah. found it frustrating with criterion because criterion even though you can get a subscription a lot of the films are not available in canada like i gave it the seven mm-hmm. trial and i picked the first three films i picked were not available here and i said fuck it i'm done with you like you can't you know but they have this this copyright issue so and i right. don't Tubi might be the same, and Tubi is another service, but Tubi curates specific yeah. movies, and I haven't tried it. Although sometimes I've I've been tempted because it's probably going to have the same thing. But yeah, a lot of a lot of the, the movies that I really like uh, that are on this list for, I watched on Canopy, and I learned about it from David Jackson, this uh, this yeah. fellow in Ottawa who is um, with um, um, married to uh, one of my favorite people, Megan Butcher. So that's how I learned about. Oh, cool. I'll shout out to them too, and and that was a few cool. years ago. Yeah, so that was the, cool. tangent, the tangent of from that movie. So, yeah, T two Terrence Malik movie. So, what do you have next on your on your uh, on your list? Well, yeah, to speak to that, to, to speak of that vastness and the terrain conflict and like, I think I think I also gravitated towards that in in like the movies that I selected. Um, I'm thinking of, and I added I added two more, but I'll speak to one of them right now. Like, I think. Um, Mudbound was really an evocative film in that same respect, like the vastness of of the land they were going to settle and they were, you know, and they were trying to work and they were after the war. And I feel like, I feel like these filmmakers like Dee Reese and like Terrence Malick and and there's others, Denis Villeneuve is also a a Quebec um, director who does that in Arrival too, right? These, and that's another one I had added to my list afterwards, but like these, these sort of like, grand images of landscapes I feel like they kind of they kind of have this just inherently poetic sort of nostalgia for space like I feel like if we if we're in cities like and this is like I own a little piece of property in the country too and I go up there and it's just like I'm just so I'm so in in, in like just you know just uh it just encapsulates me the space sort of fills me right it's this weird this is a weird juxtaposition of being feeling very secure in a very large space. And I feel like that's like, yeah. it sort of gives me that impression. Although the movies explore the conflicts like with the space, I feel like, and that's like part of it in Mudbound and, and just the, the, the way the conflicts kind of arise between clashes of people. And I think you were mentioning the conflicts, right? Like yeah. it is character. And I believe that the space and the land becomes characters in those kinds of movies that lend to a poetic undertone or a poetic sort of overlay let's say like I feel like the land and the vastness of land has that character quality in them whereas like other movies don't like it's just it's like it's set in a city but the character but the city isn't always a character or the place isn't always a character whereas I feel like some of these things it's indirect conflict the characters are in conflict with their surroundings and I feel like that's where it, it, it goes back to those sort of fundamentals of storytelling. It's man versus man, man versus nature, man versus, you know, and it, man versus himself, right? And it's yeah. always those kinds of things, right? Where it's like, I feel like it's the man versus nature element or woman versus nature, I suppose. But like, I feel like it's it's the people versus the nature, the natural world and, and, how, and how they interact with it. And then us as human beings are also part of the natural world. So it's sort of extension of that, right? So I feel like it, it's, you know, I think... I think the some of the best movies have those poetic layers that just just add to those simple storytelling structures, right? It just it adds the complexity of the story without really, um, you know, without really seeing the differences. Like you, like it, it just it's it's all part of it. it, it they're, they're not distinct pieces of the movie. They are part of the entire the entire piece becomes poetic because those layers exist. And I feel like that's that's the that's what I'm drawn to some of those more grander sort of storytelling movies like that. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. I've never seen Mudbound, I have to admit, uh, but I, I like the name Mudbound. I could imagine it as the name of a poem and I can, it conjures up all kinds of things for me and the idea and the idea of the vastness again. While you were talking about that, I was thinking about what about the opposite of that as, as a film? And so I thought right away of the diving bell and the butterfly. Did you ever see that? Wow. I haven't heard of it. I haven't seen it. Yeah. So it's based on the movie was directed by Julian Schnabel, who's an interesting, interesting um, person and an interesting director. It was uh, about a man who had, um, I guess, a sort of locked in syndrome after an accident. And the whole movie was, well, much of the movie was filmed from his camera vantage point. So out of his, because he's, he's in this, you know, just basically in this confined little space of, of the, um, of of what he was you know because he couldn't move and stuff like that and so, so that was and that was a, and it, it, I would say that's a very poetic movie as well um because yes. details are lost on me now because of course it was sometimes it was based on a book as well and the book is very good as well and it's based on a, a true story uh but it's the kind of the opposite because the only camera angle you're getting for much of the movie is the the camera angle of the person who is trapped within this one you know they can't move, and they're 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 people can't don't know that they they're uh, the monologue is an internal monologue because they cannot be heard by anyone. So it's it's right. a claustrophobic making, uh, but it also it, from that point of view it's it's very much uh, I, it, that that element of that one camera angle, and it, it really does evoke. It really does make you feel. At least it made me feel. But of course, it's easy to make me feel claustrophobic. Put me in a a dress with a zipper in the back i'm i'm done you know i i can't breathe you know but uh, i but anyway no that so that's that's an, and another one i can't remember the name of is the one where uh, same same idea the opposite the, the smallness is james franco the movie about uh, that he did about being where he's trapped uh be, like, you oh, know 128 days thank you was that it okay. 128 hours 128 must so, be 128 hours. Yeah. It's one of 28s in, in movies, 28 <laughs> days later. And well, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. So the, but that is the idea of being sort of only this one vantage point from this one person. That's all you have is their thoughts and the situation. And then there was a Tom Hardy movie and then another, which I think might've been called driving or locked or something where he's just driving from one place to the next and it was a fantastic movie as well, but it's just him the whole time. It's just him in a car. And again, that's another, I guess, another element that this uh, sort of uh, minute focus on one thing to the point of sort of um, obsession and kind of, a, mm -hmm. yeah. So it's, a, it's 127 hours. I got that wrong. 127 hours okay. with, um, with um, Franco. Yeah. 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 127 hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, there is something to that too. Like I, I don't know if I get as much out of movies like that. Like I, I see the the claustrophobic qualities, and certainly when I watched, um, which is not, I don't, I didn't find it a poetic movie necessarily. But when I watched um, Crawl, which is like a fear of, like it's basically you're trapped underneath a building, and the, you know, the the, the basement is filling with water. That's one of my fears, right? So in that respect, it was sort of like. <laughs> you know, sort of like playing on my own psych, psych, psychology in terms of, you know, the fear factor. But um, it's one of the few movies in the past, like I'd say 25 years that I've actually jumped at in the movie theater. Like, because I was just, it just, it evokes that kind of fear. But but um, I don't find, like, I don't find those movies quite, they don't have the same sort of sheen, I guess, as those bigger sort of all sort of encompassing movies that have those different layers that I, that I, that I, that I tend to think of as poetic. Right. Yeah. And the, like the, in the case of the diving bell and the butterfly, it's, it's a, it's a really focused, um, it's, it's very focused on that moment to the point where, you know, you're hearing the breathing and the heartbeat, but it is that to me, the element is this um, ultra focus, I guess, which you really mm. sometimes like, it's almost like it could be maybe a line of a poem. Maybe it's not the right. whole, I don't know. Anyway, this is sort of a ridiculous thought, but, but I just, because you were talking about the vastness, I thought, I, I guess, well, okay. Yeah. So, so um, another, um, on my list of more prepared things, what I have is um, the Elements Trilogy, which is uh, three movies that were directed by Deepa Mehta. Now, I, I really like Deepa Mehta's work. I've seen a lot of, I've well, a lot. I've seen a few of her films other than the three. So the three are, are Fire, which came out in 96, Earth in 98, and Water in 2000. 
2005. And all three, the reason that I find, well, the poetic element I would say is that she is viewing India and then also Pakistan comes in, into play in, in Earth, but through the eyes of women and specifically mm -hmm. sort of pointing out the misogyny and the patriarchy and some of the customs like arranged marriage, for instance, in fire, um, uh, uh, the uh, treatment of widows in rural Indian water and the whole partition uh, and uh, the religious um, aspects in, uh, in, uh, in earth. And, you know, so you're seeing it through the eyes of women and often young, young girls as well. And so, yes, India and Pakistan become the poetic element of the movie, but through particular point of view and, and sometimes controversially too, like um, uh, as, you know, people in, in um, don't necessarily agree with her point of her point of view as well, but it's, it's, and, it's just first of all they are beautiful movies to see i think of i think of colors when i when i think of those movies and i think it's because so why yeah, focused yeah. On, it feels like and i couldn't find it i tried to read about this but i couldn't find anything i feel that she's focused on the particular colors so like water for instance i really see gray a lot in water and, and and she's in the act that was the first one i actually got my hands on which i think i had to get from the library on a dvd is how i had to find that one originally when i was looking for it but uh, i feel like yeah. i saw that one at a theater in ottawa when it first came out i don't know if it was an really? ottawa premiere of it or something i feel like mm -hmm. i saw it with a group of people in you know the old theater down um we're at the world exchange i feel like i saw it in that big theater there for some reason i don't know why that's just the memory i have of it well i, I know yeah. um, i saw midnight's children there because they had a showing through the writers festival they were doing their midnight's children which she the salman rushdie her adaptation of the salman rushdie no it wasn't midnight's children it was i feel like, yeah i feel like i saw it, it was somewhere i saw water i remember seeing it i don't remember where yeah. those actual downtown ottawa theaters we used to have but yeah, yeah. It was, that was my first and i i think I loved all of them, but I think I love that one the best. And again, it, it, you know, it's sort of, you see, it's very much the, uh, the just, I can, I, what I can imagine is these, all of these women, um, they're at this ashram and they're all just kind of sitting there waiting, you know, and it just, and, and, and they're not, and in the case, in one case, the main character is a young girl who was in an arranged marriage with an old man who died and she never even, I think she met him once or something at the ceremony, but then, you know, she, then, you know, he died and she, because she, she was now a, a widow, she was forced to live uh, in retreat from society in this mm -hmm. environment. And so it was just fascinating. And, and uh, yeah, that color was kind of a gray color for me. Fire was, yeah, I do remember this sort of bright oranges and um, that was um, specifically exploring uh, a kind of a sexual liberation of women as the two women of a household, um, you know, one older, one younger, um, and like a daughter-in-law and, and uh, um, mother-in-law. And they, and, and they ended up having a relationship. And of course it was very taboo and it was an affair and, no, that was, and then Earth again. Earth, Earth was a bit gorier too because they had the violence of the partition and the different religious groups, and there were fights. And yeah, that, there was a scene. I just saw Earth recently, and there was a scene uh, on the train where a bunch of people were were I think the the were killed. Like it was a Sikhs and the Muslims, and uh, they 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 were they basically sacks of uh, women's body parts, and it was just it was really um, it was actually quite horrifying to see and i think that one was the most violent i believe that was the of the violent one of the three but yeah that was the element as as a horrifying shock provocative element mm -hmm. probably the most but but just india as a as a as a character and uh, as seen through the eyes of women who you know facing all the sort of misogyny and different things of that she's i think she's expert at that and uh hmm. yeah interesting so yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't remember seeing Midnight's Children. I, I, I vaguely remember, like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I saw water with a group of people, but I don't can't remember. I used to go to the, I don't know if maybe, I think she was at the Canadian Screen Training Center for one year. I was there too oh, with wow. the Summer Institute of Film and Television. Yeah, she did like a master class, I think. So maybe that's right. where, maybe, maybe she was showing the film there. I, I, I do know that I've seen it. I just, I can't place like exactly where though. So yeah, it's funny. My memory is like fuzzy, but that's oh, fine. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> me too. I mean, I've had to, 
in order to remember these. I mean, I've seen these over the years and I tried so yeah. hard to get my hands on um, these movies. I finally saw Fire and Earth, but they didn't have water on canopy again. That was where, but Earth, yeah, water I had to get from the, the library. They had that one. They didn't have the other two on DVD for some reason, or I put one right. on right. for the last five years or something like that. But I find it very hard. I have a, I have a big interest in um, South Asian uh, film and literature. And for some reason, even though I've never been, I've never traveled there and I've only had a couple of lovers from that area, but um, <laughs> I, I, ha I have a very uh, big interest in that. So I'm always trying to watch and, and, and sometimes I find it hard to find, find um, film um, available uh, through, uh, through uh, the Western stuff. And I don't mind why I watch subtitles, uh, especially I'll watch on my little surface, the subtitles, you know? So yeah, I, I, I love that. I, um, but yeah, what about, okay. So what about the next, uh, what's next on your list? Of um, so one of the ones that I saw this year, which I thought was really interesting was Candyman. And it's not your typical, I wouldn't say it's like a typically people would be like, it's a horror movie. Like, what are you talking about? Right. So, um, but you know, there was something about the way they chose to depict the like the historical sort of so the original Candyman was like set in a time and a place and and it sort of dealt with like you know um vi like violence against blacks in, in a certain complex apartment complex and there was a death and the, so it's very horrific it's got some very right. horrific elements but the one thing I liked about the remake which I don't recall in the original because I'd seen it so many years ago but like and I did a little bit of reading afterwards is they use this um backlit silhouette sort of um paper figures mm. to sort of tell the story of the legacy of of the violence against uh you know black men in this in this area and it was just it was so interesting that they used this sort of childlike element of storytelling interspersed in sort of the, the in the day storytelling and this like little you know this rhyme that they said about the candy man and stuff and it but what really struck me is that juxtaposition of visual elements. And I thought right. like, wow, like that's, that's taking, not, I wouldn't say it's like, it's like, you know, they were congruent. They, they kind of fit together. I wouldn't say it's like a risk where it's like some people kind of do that. And it's like, they don't really make sense. And the movie doesn't, but this was just like, because we tell stories through like children's stories. We tell these sort of yeah. fables and these, and I know you brought up fable in one of yours too, right? Yeah. We tell these fables, and these, like, these like, elements of the past these children's stories that have elements of truth and they sort of get embellished and they get you know they get they become grander over time and they get these like little nuances of story and I thought it was just fab like just a fabulous way to sort of like take that element of childlike wonder and put it in this like weirdly horrific horror movie about the violence against black men in this in this interesting setting and it just I was just sort of stunned by it when I came out and it was the only movie I saw in a theater this year right because of COVID so right. it was like I, I went and I kind of was like sequestered by myself and then like to sort of be faced with this really evocative way method of storytelling and I'd seen it in one short film I think it was done here in Ottawa back for Digi60 like a handful of years ago they used that backlit um, and it just, there's something about that that really speaks to me because I think it's simple. I think it's really interesting and simple how you can do things in this two-dimensional space with black and white, with shadows and darkness. And it's just like, that's what it is, right? That's what storytelling is. It's like the manipulation of light and it's like the words and yes. the images. And it's just this little, this little kid's element of storytelling, almost like, you know, juvenile, but sort of like innocent and then using it in this horror movie, I was just, I was blown away. I just, I was, yeah, it was really, really cool. And I just, it, it was just like, wow. Like I actually walked out and I still remember it. Like it's, and that's what, when those kinds of movies percolate in my brain is that I remember those visual elements and the way they told the story in those layers. Again, it's those layers of like, yeah. you know, adding this other dimension to the story that's not just the pictures we see on the screen there's this like depth to it that that transcends you know time and space and age and everything else yeah and it becomes a symbol too right so that you can you can recall it and i think too it can be transferred because like you you might be able to recall that feeling and see that black the back lit um, yeah. image in your head say when you're experiencing something else it might come to you you know a, sort of an element from the film I was thinking that horror actually probably has a lot of poet like I can't think I, I'm not a, I don't watch a lot of horror 
But I think there might be a whole conversation for those that watch a lot of horror or make horror on the poetic elements that go into horror films. I'd be interested to, interested in listening to that conversation. If anyone's listening and they're thinking about <laughs> horror and, yeah. and um, you know, I think that would be interesting too. As, as um, a kid, there was a movie um, I was, I was too young to watch um, and it had some dolls that were in a closet and then they moved and they came out of the closet and, I remember I had my dolls and I was petrified after that, but there's, there's that elements of just seeing these, a pile of dolls and then they suddenly start to move. And that comes to me sometimes in, in dreams or, or, well, I guess they're nightmares. And so, yeah, so these, and these, they're recurring kind of element in a way and it's a pattern and yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 No, for sure. I feel like, I feel like those elements of horror of horror that stick with me again are, are based in like, those fear, those fears, like, and I feel like that's one of the underpinnings of horror, right? Is that, and I think Stephen King, you know, spoke on that in his on writing book. It's like, you know, it's, it's the ordinary extraordinary, right? It's the ordinary horror that we all face every day yeah. that we sort of, you know, we, we, we let it live and sort of fester in our minds and then it becomes something different for us, right? It becomes like, you know, it becomes more than what it just simply is because we add these elements of like, poetics I suppose in in a way we add these sort of like you know we we give it meaning beyond just the physical it's it becomes sort of you know becomes part of our psyche or becomes you know something bigger than who we are and then it sort of festers and you know it frightens us and I think that's like why he um why he was so you know part, part of why he was so um prolific is the fact that he tapped into those things before you know, in, in a different way. And I think before that sort of, I think he was on like the, the cutting edge of like some of those horror pieces that we now see as sort of, you know, sort of, uh, you know, more mainstream. Like he was sort of on that edge of it. Like, wow, like he's talking about like, like girls menstruating and a girl, you know, and yeah. like Carrie and stuff. He's, yeah. you know, he's writing about this stuff. And like, I see now, like, it's just, it's, it's these elements of, of, you know, these everyday things that we go through that become horrific with these extra elements added to them. Well, that's it. And that this question, even though it's also a question of speculative fiction as well, what if this happened? Yeah. It's following it. Yeah. I was thinking just now, I had been thinking before when you talking about Carrie and that horrible scene with the blood and the coming down on her, you know, and, yeah. and that's a, that's a quintessential element. And you can, you can find that, um, and again, yeah, color is a big part too, and or or whether they choose to use it or use it in a sparing way or not at all. Like um, another thing, I was thinking about while you were talking is about uh, Hitchcock. I was thinking about the mm-hmm. birds, especially, yeah. And, yeah. and sort of like every like birds are just birds, but if the whole pile of them are coming at you, you know, like and then they're they're you know claws and they're you no, know, I mean, and this is it, and then it's this one element, right? It's just this one element, and all you yeah. need in that movie is that one scene to think to see. Apparently, they were throwing. It sounds terrible. They were like throwing birds at this at the actress. You know, they were like having to throw from above. They were throwing. It was petrifying. The experience was. And they, were tra- they were trained birds. But I mean, oh it just sounded like, oh my god. Yeah, that's no, another. that's not my bag. That's no, not I mean, my. But but birds are in a lot of poems. <laughs> anyway, that's another. No, and and I and I think and I, but it goes back to what we're talking about. Like, it goes back to nature. I feel yeah. like I feel like. I feel like part of the discovery of, of whatever we're trying to do here with our time on earth is that like, we're trying to make sense of the stuff that's around us. Right. And I feel like, I feel like that's part of it. Like I just got a, I know I'm going to go on a little bit of tangent, but I just got a trail cam for my farm property recently. Right. So yeah, very, like, it's, yeah. it's fun watching these animals in the space that I now have. I don't, I don't, I don't think I own it. I don't like, I don't like, I, I don't, I'm the custodian of the space for the time yeah. I'm here, you know, because <laughs> they're going to be here for thousands of years beyond me. Right. Like, and so I feel like, I feel like it's interesting watching animals inhabit that space. And I think that that's, again, understanding the animal and the world that, you know, that we can observe and we can sort of, you know, enjoy. And like, even that bear that I saw crawling up the laneway. Right. And it's just um, it's in, yeah. like walking up the laneway. It's just interesting that like, you know, that these images evoke something deeper than what I go. Cause when I go there, I, I don't, I usually don't see any animals. Like there's one or twice, one or two times I've seen a couple of deer, but like, I don't see those animals and they have this freedom to kind of explore that space when I'm not around. Right. Because, and it's just interesting in terms of like, 
I go to explore this place, explore the space in one way, and they're there to sort of, you know, use it and explore it in another way as animals, right? So it's just an interesting observation for, you know, men versus nature and stuff like that, right? So Yeah, and it's also interesting because it's a big mystery, right? Because you don't know, we don't really know when we're not, when or we didn't used to know when we weren't there, what these creatures were up to. Like, and you always yeah. imagine something like from, uh, I don't know, Bugs Bunny, where it's Foghorn, Leghorn, and, you know, yeah. a, yeah. and, or Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner, like afterwards they have, they take their brief, briefcases and they go, you know, they, they go and the job's done and they punch out, you know. But I mean, lot, animals have their own existence and it doesn't exactly. have to be based on our own interpretations like if we just so that is yeah. i think it's fascinating i've watched a little bit of that when we've come up i've seen it come up a few times and I've, i i've taken a look but sometimes i've watched like um if they've had like wildlife reserves sometimes i've watched those cams like they have them you know and say in some other like in 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 south africa or something where they've had you know they've shown like elephants or something and lots of times they're just like sleeping you know it's not that interesting but you know so every once in a while you get something like oh what's going you know and then they yeah. get repeated over so that's 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 yeah. cool. and but the idea of sort of this sort of um uh, portraying maybe the mystery too is is part of yeah exactly and I think that and I think going back to uh, going back to an earlier movie I mentioned was Arrival right I feel like I feel like that's using again Denis Villeneuve kind of painted the the tableau of space right it's like not just space literal but space in terms of where this you know where that um, spaceship landed and then the space that they had to walk in order to get to the aliens inside or they were you know and then also the space between the languages that they were using and her having to bridge that gap right and in terms of like understanding and then when she understood and I think I wrote down something like um the language the language we use whether it's visual you know words like sound it changes who we are yeah so it's like it's sort of you know and it changed her so she understood a broader she understood a broader landscape from having had that interaction and going through those different spaces. They had to drive to get to the spaceship. Then they had to go in through that through the spaceship. Then she had to bridge that gap for language. It's all these like it's almost like the descending into something else or ascending into something else, right? It's almost that and an image and it's it's like it, that those sort of journeys change you in yeah. terms of understanding a broader perspective. And that's sort of what I got out of that film in terms of a poetic, right? It's like yeah. these journeys we go through as people change us over time. That's it. And I, 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 that made me think of the movie District 9. Did you see District 9? Yeah. I yeah. love District 9. I know it's kind of odd. It's probably out of character for me to like a movie like that. I thought it was fascinating. And the concept of these alien insects were just so, it was so disgusting. I think the disgust of it really sort of um, got me, you know, like that. That's is yeah. poetic elements. Maybe, maybe I could, I haven't watched in a long time, but it was I very, think, I think I saw it with Rob. I, th- I think I saw that movie with Rob McLennan. I think, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw it with Rob. And, and so one of the things, one of the distinct things I remember from that movie, and again, it goes back to very simple images, is when they try to issue this form to the alien to the to the alien and they can't they have no context that the public servant says you need to fill out this form yeah. and the, the and they have no context for what the hell he's talking about and it's like that that juxtaposition again it's that there's a gap of knowledge there right yeah. and it's not the knowledge in terms of the alien it's the knowledge in terms of our perspective of we what? don't understand the other therefore we we can't converse mm-hmm. right and it's part of that it's part of that this sort of like it's like, oh, wow. Like you can kind of see yourself, like I, you know, you see yourself in terms of like when you're trying to get your point across and the other person doesn't understand. And it's like, there's a gap of there. And it's not necessarily the person who you're talking to who has the problem. <laughs> you know? That's it. And I guess well, I would say in that case, the element that I'm thinking of is making the everyday strange. It's, it's, it's exactly. It's, and that goes back to King, right? right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. yeah, so that that's interesting. I, I, maybe I need to watch uh, District District Nine. Is it District Nine? I think I call it District Eight. I don't know, eight or nine. District Nine. I, I don't know. It's a number that doesn't and, matter. And and that and that kind of that that sort of make things make the everyday strange is again. It goes back to another movie that I added to the list after I chatted with you. But well, two really. I mean, Strange Days is another yes. one by yeah. Catherine Bigelow, which is like totally blew me away when I saw it. It was the one of the only or one of the few, I want to say only, but one of the few films that I ever bought the soundtrack for because the music was like, Ooh. blew me away. 
And then <clears throat> Lost Highway was another one. So again, it's that weird under like just weird elements of film that's not quite normal. It's got this sort of like these, these visual things that you're not quite prepared to see, but yet sort of speak to you in these weird ways because they're dreamlike and they've got these yeah. like elements of like, what the hell did I just see? Like, what am I watching right now? Like it's, mm. it sort of makes you question your own sort of like, you know, your own sort of space in the world a lot of times. And, and so one of the things I remember with, um, with strange days was like Juliet Lewis's performance in that, just like, like it just, she sort of blew me away when I first saw it. And it's like, I never saw her in that space. But then when I saw her in that movie, I was like, of course, like, it's just, it's some of these things that sort of reoccur to me over time that I, that I sort of hearken back to in these movies that I watch, right? Like that has stayed with me for years and years and years and years. And that's what yeah. I think, because it changes me. It changes, it changed me, right? Watching these films gave me a different perspective on something, whether it was good or bad or whatever, but it, it was really that journey. And that's what I feel like the poetics of film and my own filmmaking journey is every time I do something, it sort of changes my perspective on stuff too. Yeah, no, that that's great. I, yeah, it's funny how a bunch of movies just flash through my head as you, as you, which is what I think that's part of it too. This sort of and and the idea too when you're talking about Strange Days, the disorientation too, right? That's the part. Yeah, of it. I'm always one of my my big pieces of advice if someone asks me about poems is um, there are lots of different ways to organize. You don't have to always organize chronologically according to um, beginning, middle, and end. And sometimes when you do when you yeah. do it that way, it can make something too predictable, and people don't find it interesting to read. So, and not, and yeah. also our memories don't work that way anyway. Our dreams don't necessarily work that way. So why does everything have to be structured according to be beginning, middle, and end? So, and there's so many different ways to organize things. So that's a, a disorientation. I think is one. Now, if you if it's so disorienting that you can't find your way through it, sometimes that's too much, and then you have to balance that with. Uh, with uh, other elements to try and anchor it in some way is something I struggle with all the time. So in, in my writing, um, I, I, another movie I'd like to mention, and we were talking about black and white is the juniper tree, which is uh, was from 1990, but it was actually remastered or re actually, they put it back to, it was filmed in the eighties. And then 30 years later, it was actually um, restored. So, and it was, it's an Icelandic medieval fairy fantasy film mm. with Bjork a young Bjork in the movie. And wow, it's fantastic. In black and white, it's it's sort of loosely based on, or I guess fairly based on, a, on an old grim fairy tale. So this um, this uh, mother and her two children, the mother is, is uh, burned and stoned for being a witch. And then the kids, the older daughter, who's a, a grown up, and then the young Bjork, um, go to live with a, a, a widow, widower and his son. And it, it's just, it's, it's black and white. I would sure. say the black and white is one of the poetic elements in the film. I have, I have watched a, a few black and white, well, a fair number of black and white movies in my time since when I was a child, there were still plenty of them around, including TV shows. That's my age. But um, the other, the other thing is, I, I mean, I've never been so mesmerized by light and shadow in a, in a movie sure. before. It was so, it is such a beautiful movie. It's not a fast movie. And it, no. the darkness of the landscape, it's filmed in Iceland and there's some, there's a waterfall. It just, the, 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 the land is beautiful. The light is gorgeous. Uh, the director is Nietzsche Keen, who died unfortunately in 2004, but uh, that's gorgeous. And I would say Bjork, who's very young, is in the, the other poetic element in that movie, her character, she's so mesmerizing and otherworldly, like she is, I guess, but mm -hmm. it's early yeah. days, and she even sings a little bit in the movie. I, this is an exquisite movie, and I was, I did something, I, I watched it on my little surface again, it was through Canopy, and it's still on Canopy.com, which is, sometimes they take things off, so I was glad they kept it on, but it's, so it's still there, as far, at least it, hmm. it, it, on December 30th, when we're recording this, just before the year changes, um, it was still there. And uh, wow, it, it's just such a beautiful movie. And of course, it's based on a horrific fairy tale that involves, you know, murder and cannibalism. And as these grim fairy tales, Grimm's fairy tales tend to, but wow, it's just, and of course, it involves, um, it, it's kind of a, a feminist retelling too, because they basically, they, 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 to survive, they have to resort to these spells and use magic in order to survive this terrible um, place that they're in with the people who um, don't really want them around and 
you know, there's a stigma and so and it, it's 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 an absolute. It is probably the first thing I thought of when I thought about doing the poetic elements of film was the juniper tree. So uh, hmm. yeah, I really interesting. Recommend. Interesting. That's uh, I I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can find that because uh, it sounds like it'd be right up my alley. Also, um, I mean, Iceland evokes like vastness. I you know traveling around. I was there in 2013. Yeah, 2013, and uh, wow. like it's just it's just a vast place. Like there's just, you, you're out of Reykjavik and all of a sudden there's just land for, you know, and then you're at the water and then, you know, you keep like, it's just, and it's got this like strange quality to it, element to it as well. Right. Because it's, it's, it looks like where you're from, but it's not, doesn't look like where you're from either. Like it's got this like outer, it's, it's otherworldly quality. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. And then like, I remember standing I remember standing on the black, the black lava sand, like the black sand right. beach where it, like the, the sand is all like thousands of lava bubbles rolled over over millennia. And it's got this like pumice kind of quality to it. So you pick it up and it's just like the softest sand you've ever felt in your life. And, yeah. you know, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, I mean, the whole, the whole country is kind of has that like weird otherworldly element, poetic element to it, I think. They have a big literary festival, or they use. I, I'm they sure, do, and I've heard amazing things about it. And uh, and the is it the wife of the president of? I don't know if it's a president or prime minister, Iceland, but it's the wife. She's from like Smith Falls or something. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah, she's from here. She's a Canadian from like. From the, she's from like from Smith the Falls. Valley. They get everywhere. Eh? It's just like <laughs> it's Ottawa. I, mean, I think I think I think or she's from like Almond or Smith Falls or something. Yeah, she's from around here. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so uh, like, there's definitely like, I think one of the, one of the um, I can't remember her name right now, but she was a she was a writer through the uh, through the Writers Festival here in Ottawa. Don't remember her name off the top of my head, but she actually did a residency up in Iceland, I think too. No, A. Rawlings. A. Like, Rawlings did. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was up there too. Yeah, yeah. He's done some gorgeous work there, actually, um, and some. Uh, visual poetry and also some poetry and different things, all kinds of, she's got some great, if I remember, I'll, I'll share the link as well. Yeah. 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 No, it's, I mean, yeah. So that, that movie sounds like it's right up my alley in terms of like stuff. I'd probably be interested in watching that Nordic sensibility, right? It's kind of like movies from like Finland or movies from Iceland or any of those sort of cold weather climates. I feel like, I feel like that sort of is a poetic that I understand well, like here, but also like, but also I think just like, you know, just it's somewhere in my DNA, I think. Like, I think it's just, I literally, I prefer that sort of climate, I think, to like, you know, the hot Southern climate. There's somewhere in my DNA is like a Nordic warrior, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm <laughs> not sure. I don't know, because I just... I, a Valkyrie, Jennifer, that's it. I, per, I, I prefer Valkyrie. the, I, like, I, like, I fell in love with Iceland. I was ready to move there. Like, literally, I got off the bus, was there for a few days, and I was like, hey, I'm moving. <laughs> maybe, maybe I was just like this... This is totally my jam, you know? So, yeah. There are some old movies I remember that where winter is a poetic element. Uh, Gorky Park, which is an old, it's an old movie. I can't even remember when it, um, when it came out. It was a long time ago, but it was set in winter in, in, in uh, Russia, I guess. And then um, Dead Zone, which is a big, um, yeah. Yeah, also another, again, a poetic element is actually winter in that. And those yeah. Movies. I think I remember doing a whole list once of movies set in winter time, and and uh, yeah, Winter's Bone is another one. With Jennifer, Lawrence, Bone, Jennifer Lawrence, Jennifer Lawrence's first movie, Winter's oh, Bone. Yeah. That is such a hard. And again, it's man versus man, or yeah. you know, people versus their, themselves, people versus nature. It's just such a harsh, yeah. unforgiving terrain that they live on and live within, like as families and as communities and as the conflicts in the between the people and even they're like the conflicts in the families and stuff like and I grew up in a small town I when I watched the movie I was like yeah no I totally get it like it's just you know and it's like you understand like why things happen and why things are like that because they live in these harsh places and I think that again that changes them it changes you when you live in a harsh place and I feel like I feel like you know living in the city as opposed to living in a rural area there's there's, you know, sometimes there are elements that are like less, um, just, you know, they've got, they've got an edge to them. You know, there's, there's another edge when you kind of walk into the bush and you're looking, you know, you're doing this or there's just, it's nature. And here, you know, you're sort of, you know, homogenous, like it's, it's like the city is kind of homogenous. It's, it's got like the same look and the sidewalks are the same and it's the same, but it's like, you feel like a little bit more, um, 
it feels a bit dangerous going into harsh areas, you know? That's it. I was thinking of when you were talking, we were talking about winter, I was thinking about heat as another element of, uh, and and the an old movie yeah. um, that I was thinking of is the movie Body Heat, which is set. Um, right. Where is it? I don't know. Is it, anyways, the South, Southern US, maybe Florida, or it could be uh, New Orleans. I can't remember, but that whole, like the fog and it's William Hurt. And uh, it's just this, it's a, it's a noir, it's film noir. And it's a uh, film noir itself, I think is another must have a ton of movies that I would think have poetic elements like the dark uh, some of the some of the um the narration and the way the voices are and I, I mean the points of view there's a lot and I don't watch a lot of film noir but Body Heat it was one of my favorite movies many years ago I don't even know if anyone would even remember it anymore but it's I've heard of it I don't think I've ever very, seen it or if I did it was, it was a long time ago it was a very sensual movie it was there's a lot yeah. of sexual tension in the movie but it was just the sweat I mean, and the portrayal of the heat. And they, you know, yeah. people couldn't wear much clothing because they, you know, right. like I always, I, my joke is it's hard to be sexy in winter because, you know, the, we, the leg warmers are like the, uh, you know, the, um, the stock, stockings of, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so no, it, it, it's quite interesting too. Uh, just that idea of film noir as well as those. And and a lot of uh, film noir is set in winter as well. A lot of the, uh, so the Norwegian film noir movies and books are set yeah. in winter. And yeah, there's a lot. I'm yeah. sure we could talk a lot if, if I had watched it, many of them, but I haven't. So uh, any other, do you have any other movies you want to talk about or any other uh, things related? No, I think I covered all the ones I kind of written down. I guess like, yeah, I just, I sort of had like the four kind of topics. Like I think we covered them in and around about all through the conversation was that like it is the place becomes an element yeah. the character conflicts become that sort of interpersonal poetic you know between people like the conflicts we all sometimes have or don't have and then um it's and the image is beyond the basic components of storytelling right beyond just the two dimension of film yeah. it's like it's there's deeper levels of images there that sort of speak to something in in yourself when you're watching it um, the language of images, like going back to Candyman, like the language used in those black and white um, or those black uh, backlit silhouette sort of um, maquettes kind of thing. And then, um, yeah, and then like dreamlike qualities, right? I feel like, yes, I feel like, big one. you know, big uh, one. I feel like television, uh, like sort of, you know, real, not reality TV, but like TV shows based on real kinds of things don't it's all about characters like tv is pretty much all about the characters but sometimes they sneak in like of elements of poetics and, ele and elements of you know other things like i just finished watching um the tv show it was uh, it called c and it's about this post-apocalyptic people who um had this virus wipe out their sight right so now it's like sight is coming back to a few people and these people are, are now elevated be like above the people without sight because um, or they they perceive themselves as elevated because they can read and they can recreate the world in from these books and I thought that was really fascinating. I mean, mm. um, for for whatever you think about the TV show, that concept of like sight and sight versus non sight, and then like yeah. being able to sort of navigate the world in a more profound way without sight. That, and 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 in the show, they there's a few times where it's mentioned like you know you're you're at a disadvantage because you can see right yes, and yes. it's an it's an interesting flip because you have to become more embedded in the world when you can't see as opposed yes. to when you can see right it's, it's fascinating it yeah it's just fascinating well and then there was the the movie which was based on the book by uh, jose saramango blindness which is an incredibly good movie and it's it's because uh, basically people it's it's a, it's a pandemic basically of blindness people suddenly hmm. become blind wow and that is a it, it's it might be difficult to watch now for some people given we're in a pandemic on the other hand maybe it would be interesting but yeah that movie um and it, i didn't read the book but i've seen it twice now and it's really um it's quite a brilliant uh, movie and apparently the book was was amazing yeah, cool. that's cool. it. Yeah, I so would. That's, say, um, that's what I have in my list of stuff. I would mention uh, my favorite director of all time, Agnès Varda, who I who, who 
died. Uh, when did she die? Anyways, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, and um, no, it wasn't that long ago. So this, was it this year? Was it was twenty twenty one? I think. Right? It, it, I, I or last some some some. Yeah. It's the pandemic, so I don't know what years are anymore. I know everything's blur. <laughs> yeah, and yes, about the first movie I ever saw of hers was a movie called Les Gleaners, Les Gleaners, the Gleaners, and 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 I, and it was really brilliant. Um, again, she it was a French landscape, but also and French people, but also. Um, just uh, people's um, again the people how people are, but all behaviors. She asks a lot of interesting questions, but also it is herself, a portrayal of herself through the, throughout these movies. And then uh, Santoine Lois, which is vagabond in English, and Faces and Places. I just saw, and there's a, there's one last one of her movies on Canopy that I'm going to see. But yeah, she's really uh, again she ties it into art as well, often with her movies and. Um, really under sort of um, wanting to make uh, she cares a lot about working class people more than other you know like they sort of the wealthy or whatever she focuses on them a lot and so yeah I, I would say that she's quite she's quite an interesting and last I have a few honorable mentions um, a movie called The Guitar I don't know did you ever see this movie uh, a woman yeah. a woman finds out she has it was actually directed by Amy Redford a woman finds out she only has so long to live so she just goes nuts she 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 rents a fancy apartment. She just has a pile of stuff that she buys. But the main thing is she gets this electric guitar and she has this huge speaker. She doesn't even know how to play guitar. And she learns and this, it's the guitar. It's that sound. And it's so good. She ends up being really, she's playing it naked in the room. She just embraces her uh, sensuality. She gets involved with this man. And no, I, I mean, it, it's a, it's a beautiful movie. Um, I, I haven't seen any movies. Amy Redford has, and Amy Redford is Robert Redford's daughter, I think. Okay. So interesting. But yeah, that was great. We mentioned the diamond yeah. on the butterfly wings of desire, which I I've only seen once, but I really wish I would see it again because it's a black and white movie that has to do with angels as witnesses basically in Berlin during the, 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 the I guess before the, or around the time that the wall falls and Wim Wenders. Uh, uh, I mean, just, I've heard of, yeah, I've definitely heard of it. I think, I think, uh, it's I think it definitely was was um uh yeah I've, I've definitely I've definitely kind of seen it I just can't remember I just can't recall it right now but it's, I've definitely it's seen a it very that. slow movie like for people yeah. who, I don't need a fast pace for for uh, I mean it depends on my my what I'm going through but usually I like I like slow I like to just take my time I, I like the scenes and it's, it's quite beautiful sometimes I mix it up with City of Angels which is a, a kind of a remake with Nicolas Cage but it's right and I think no uh, no no yeah. I think I think it was on I, I think I have a feeling I saw it about 20 years ago I just I don't know why it's just stuck in my head it's around the time where, again when I kind of met Rob like it's I feel like it's around that time that maybe I'm maybe I'm so maybe you saw it in the theater which would be I sometimes yeah. I think that added that added like if you if some I think maybe it almost would add to the experience to be able to see films yeah. in the theater in some in an old big theater or something not that I've done that in a long time um no I think no and, and I think that that the community experience that we're all kind of missing um does I, I you know does come across by watching things in theaters right like I feel like that if if there's anything that's missing from the Netflix home experience is the fact that it's a it's a communal yeah. event, right? When you go to see something in a theater, so yeah. I I mean I can't I can't eat popcorn anymore, and I find a lot of perfumes obnoxious, and I hate when people have their cell phones on. So I'm almost <laughs> not sure that I'm I'm yeah. capable of being in a group of a room full of people anymore. But yeah, I, I mean, there's lots I love. I love having a big screen and and just yeah yeah. yeah. Portrait of a Lady on Fire is another one. It's another very slow movie about a relationship between two women and uh and it's, it's i can't remember all the details but it's a be it's a beautiful movie it's a very slow the relationship develops slowly um i thought it was a very poetic movie just this actually maybe even the speed of the movie because it was really slow maybe sometimes even that pace can be an element a poetic element as well mm -hmm. rhythm it is a type of rhythm right that is mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Matrix is another. Now, The Matrix, uh, I get to see The Matrix a lot because it's one of the movies that Charles puts on when he wants to fall asleep. He has headphones. And so I see it a lot, the first one. The first one. And I would say that the series, and I haven't watched the last one because it's it's just new, but um, it's the colors, the colors in The Matrix, like that color yeah. scene in the first yeah. one to represent the sort of... Um, the actual matrix and the, and the sort of digital yep. sort of world. And so, yeah, for me, it was the, it was the colors. Yeah. And there's, there's this choreography of the whole where, how they move and, and with the bullets and stuff like that. And, 
Um, but there's I'm, also a dream element to that too, right? And the absolutely. fact that there's two layers and yeah. like there are multiple layers and there's also layers in that too, right? Like about how we view the world. Are we, are we on this side or that side? It's very yeah. polarizing in a way in terms of like, you're either, you're either for me or against me, right? It's that kind of idea. But like, there's also like similarities between what we're going through right now. And I think that, I think that the matrix spoke to like, I think great artists, tell the future, right? I feel like they show us what's coming. And I feel like that was, you know, that's an interesting sort of, you know, like digitization and and surveillance and, you know, we're becoming part of the metaverse and we're doing like, it's really like those seeds, you can see what they were sort of, you know, and then every other element layered on top of the, just the basic story, right? So it's, it's definitely got tons of layers in that movie. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That I, 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 so I think this is really interesting and it makes me want to do things like watch film noir and watch horror movies, poetic <laughs> elements. And I've written, I actually wrote a poem based on 28 Days Later, which is a, which is oh, yes. a, a movie uh, that Brian Doyle, no, Brian Doyle, no, uh, Roddy Doyle. No, I'm sorry. Okay. Who is the, no, the director of it was Danny Boyle. Okay. I'm thinking Roddy Doyle. He's, he's directed some of Roddy Doyle's books. I'm starting to get, and Brian Doyle is a Canadian writer. So I'm in them all together, but 28 Days Later, I wrote a poem about it and, and just, just, what I remember most about was the green of the land was so green and, and it was a horror movie. So it was scary and yep, so yep. zombies and things like that. But yeah, so I think, I think that's it for this poetic elements, unless you have anything more to. Uh... No, it's been a pleasure as always yeah. chatting with you. Yeah, it's fun. Well, I, I really enjoy talking to you and obviously you come back again on the show in the same year. So yeah, that's great. Well, thank you very much, Jennifer, for being on the show. Thanks to Charles for doing the processing. Thanks for Jennifer Peterson for doing the intro and the outro. And thanks to everyone for listening and also for sharing the episode. I don't have my notes in front of me, but next year we're going to focus on small press and reading series. Uh, we're going to talk first at the end of January to Nina Jane Dristick and Ellen Chang Richardson, who are going to talk about their series, the Riverbed Reading Series. So that's the plan. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to The Small Machine Talks. The Small Machine Talks.